I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Zanonta Walker here. We are back with Catherine Greer-Limpo and doing our Women Who Lead series, which has become quite popular, I must say. I'm not surprised at all, but I love that it's become so popular. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Good morning, Kristen. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. And actually, I shouldn't even say it that way. It's Thank you for doing this show with me because you are the other half of the leadership on this show. So I just oh, rewrote that. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate being a part of it. It's really been a fun thing to be involved with. So thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. So we were talking about, you know, what are, what are we going to talk about this week? There's never uh, a lack of topics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about competency and our relationship with competency as a woman who are in leadership positions. And I was trying not to put like a negative on it by saying something about incompetency or incompetent people, because I really am working hard every single day catching how I say things and they either come out of my mouth or they're in my thoughts and they don't make it out of my mouth yet. Yay. Uh, where I'm mm-hmm. going to go more towards a negative, not that it's bad. It's just that I don't want to, I don't want to live in that space of negativity. So I'll reframe things. So even in the midst of when we were thinking about, well, what are we going to call this show? I, you know, I was thinking, well, let's just make it about competency. We're certainly going to talk about you know, some things that were maybe perceived as negative and they're just reality, but we can frame this in a positive thing because the good thing is as we raise our self-esteem and have more knowledge and wisdom and age, all those things, and we do our work in therapy, in many other things in our lives, our acceptance of competency out of other people, um, and our attraction of competency gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And that's phenomenal. Yes. Agreed. Um, and actually I was just Googling competency as you were 
talking a little bit there and we had started our conversation this morning kind of comparing notes on what kind of a week we'd had and <laughs> you've had just a tremendous swirl of things going on professionally um with lots of different moving pieces to manage i in contrast kind of stable in one spot but a lot of moving pieces were you know in my in my direct orbit this week you know including efforts from team members and culminations of large studies being put in front of um senior leadership in some cases and just how busy it was and how the ability to manage through even those very very busy times can sometimes hinge even on how we feel about ourselves. So yes, putting a positive spin on it, um, you know, it's how we manage or develop competence around us and how we feel about ourselves uh, in having a direct relationship on that competence around us. So right. just the, the ability to influence. Yes, the ability to influence, exactly. And a lot of that has to ha- comes too with... Um, you know, we bring our codependency to the table. We bring, like we talked about, you know, in our last show, we bring a lot of our stuff to the table and that can have an effect on what it is we allow, what it is we attract, what it is we accept, which I guess is the same thing as allow. But with me, it's been a ever decreasing amount of people that I accept into my life that are incompetent and don't care about being competent and uh, that I give free pass after free pass after free pass, especially being in the mental health field. Well, they've got, you know, problems with their kids or, oh, they've got these issues or, oh, they, and on the other side of that is, well, yeah, I run a business here and uh, I pay these people well and um and they slide they phone it in and my arm hurts because i'm picking up the slack and why is it i'm not blaming them why is it that i would get to the point where i need to go to physical therapy because my right arm is so sore from being on my computer so much doing work that i am paying someone else to do why is that allowed? Uh, and, and having to realize, you know, I can sit here and I can blame all day long and point the finger out, out there, or I can do my work in therapy and, uh, call friends like you and say, okay, this is a me thing. Same issue. Different faces are showing up to represent it. It's not about them because I'm the same one here every single time. So let's work on that so that you accept people who are as competent as you are or as competent Mm -hmm. in terms of their, it's their morals. It's their, they wouldn't even think of not being at their best for anything. Right. Right. The way they show up. Yes. um, so just looking at the definition of competence, and I think this really resonates because I, I think it's, um, you know, if you kind of fling your arms wide, competence um, fills in that space. 
where your arms are open uh, when it comes to the ability to do and understand something. So competence itself is the ability to do something successfully or efficiently. Um, but I think that the synonyms are what are most interesting. So it's capability, it's ability, it's capacity, proficiency, accomplishment, knowledge, expertise, skills, prowess. So if you think of competence, it's really the I can do it that's wrapped up in all of us that has the knowledge and experience to back up those words. So if you think about even self-esteem and its impact on competence, we can think about competence as confidence and just change the word slightly. Um, and it takes on a completely different meaning in relation to self-esteem and what we may allow if we either have high self-esteem or low self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And let's do some debunking around this thing. You know, this is called women who lead and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of debunking more towards women, way more towards women than men, around us being con controlling, uh, perfectionists. Uh, you know, just all the list goes on and on and on. When we are expecting excellence, we expect it from ourselves, and mm -hmm. so we expect it from others, and you know, the tired saying, which is still true, if it was a male expecting that, well, he's a take charge. He's an effective leader. He is strong. And historically with women, it's been, oh, <laughs> she is horrible to work for because uh, she's a bitch or she's um, has too high expectations or she's high and mighty or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And mm -hmm. how we navigate that. Right. And how we roll it back to competence, right? Mm -hmm. Because yep. in, in some cases, like we've said in previous shows, it's putting a different label on the same um, outward projection of whatever that is, you know, on a, on a, and again, sorry, listeners, this is not intended to be a man bashing thing. It's simply an illustration that I think is, is pretty undeniable. And that is, um, you know, in some cases, in some work, situations, competence in a man looks different um, than competence in a woman. Um, it does get back, however, I think, Kristen, to, you know, what you brought up um, before we started recording, which was how that is 100% relative to self-esteem and what we will accept, um, you know, from others uh, when our self-esteem is high versus when our self-esteem is, is lower. Right. And maybe this whole discussion of competence comes back to as women, what we can do not only to build ourselves up, but to build up the competence of those around us to elevate that level of self-esteem. So when we do come to situations where we have to manage someone who isn't delivering or someone who isn't fulfilling the responsibilities of their positions, we have the proficiency and the expertise and the skill to deal with that as opposed to, um, you know, kind of shirking away from it or having it uh, create a real sense of confusion in us 
because our self-esteem isn't high enough to develop the capacity to deal with it. Right. Right. Exactly. And sometimes, um, yes, it's self-esteem, but sometimes it's, we don't really know any better if that's how we've been raised. If that, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that comes into the, the play around this. And for me, you know, going to my therapist office, I mean, am I talking about work things there? Yeah, absolutely. Because my work is my passion. This is my great love. I finally stopped saying, oh, I'm a workaholic because I don't like that word. That word does not apply to me. I yeah, it makes have, it sound bad, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I love what I do. I lo- it doesn't feel like it's a job. It feels like I'm, this is my creative art and it's exciting to me. So I get it that me being an entrepreneur and me being a, a leader, not everybody on the team is going to be as excited sometimes um, mm-hmm. about what it is I do because it's not their baby. Mm-hmm. It's mine. But I'll say this. Yeah. Every job I've ever had, working, even working for other people, other than one, I, I never was a slacker. I just mm-hmm. did. The, it, it wouldn't... Even if I did not respect who I was working with, even if they were an abusive person, even if there was all kinds of, I could not not do my best because that would bother me. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's a change model, um, meaning a, um, a, a kind of framework that organizations can approach major change initiatives by using. Um, And it was developed by a gentleman named Gilbert. Um, It's called the behavior engineering model. And it's very easy to Google. You'll get a nice image of it if you uh, throw it into Google. And it talks about what's required both from an environment or read that as organization and an individual level when it comes to changing. Um, the organization level requirements focus on the information involved from kind of a macro standpoint. So is there um, sufficient system and uh, data available to support the change? And then it goes across asking those sort of macro level questions like, does the organization have the tools to support the change? Um, Are there incentives in the compensation system to support the change. But I think what's most interesting is really at the individual level. So information at the individual level translates to knowledge. So do you have the training um, and the definition of the work sufficient that you know how to do the work? Um, Instrumentation or tools at the individual level translates to capacity. So do you have enough time? You know, are the physicals of the job within your reach? But the most significant one is really the individual motivation level, which gets down to, do people really want to do it to begin with? And have you found the right person to (laughs) do that job? You know, you can't put a square peg in a round hole uh, when it comes to skills, you know, you can't ask a mathematician necessarily to, 
you know, go and draw a, a, a accurate portrait of a, a woman's face. I mean, maybe you can, it depends on the skill level, but at the end of the day, it really depends on whether someone is interested in doing that job or not. And, um, you know, so the, the interest could come back to anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny as you say that, I mean, I am a ride by the seat of my pants person and thank goodness that drive has helped me get to the place where I don't have to uh, really be that all the time anymore uh, because I'm older. I'm certainly wiser in many ways. I do. I have developed these decades of, of core competencies and, and I will continue to do that. I'm not always faking it till you make it anymore. And that's a, that comes with, age, wisdom, experience, lots of failures. <laughs> right. So I want to give, I want to give you an example listeners of uh, that's fascinating to me. So when I was, uh, when I was 18 and um, I was getting, I, I was married and I was also pregnant and I wanted to, you know, have a better job. We needed a better, uh, a better job. And so I, my husband at the time was going to school, going to college, and he was also working as a night auditor for hotels. And I had never done night audit, and I'm not known as a mathematician by any means. So, so he did something not, you know, that isn't fantastic, but whatever, it's part of the journey. He got one of his friends that worked at a hotel, was a manager at a hotel, to write me a great reference as if they knew me and as if I had worked for them. And I ended up getting a job as a night auditor for this big hotel. that's now been plowed over by, I think, a Hilton. But it was a big hotel right across from the ocean, Southern California. And I was responsible for the food and beverage auditing, the catering that went under that, the entire hotel, all those things. A night auditor works the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, and you have to balance everything that happened for the day. So math not being a strong point, um, that was a that made that challenging and didn't know I had no clue. This was before computers. So which it's really kind of sad for me to say. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> hard to remember that, isn't it? <laughs> and it was. What they had were these uh, things called microcomputers, and they were like they were cash registers with a with some computer technology in them and they were these big machines and you and everything in the hotel was about what was called folios so you'd have this metal bin and it was done by the date of a guest check-in and you had these cards that got filled out and you punched them into this you know oversized more complicated than a regular cash register and i had never even seen one of these things in my life. So I get the job because I'm really good at looking like I'm the most competent person you've ever seen. And every night for two months, because my husband was working at um, a hotel down the road from me in the middle of the night as well, I was calling him and he was telling me exactly what I needed to do to do my job. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
ever, because I had no, I mean, I knew I had worked front desk at a hotel, so I knew how to do the check-in and check-out process. But in terms of balancing what was called a Z-tape, the the register receipt for every single department, and it had to balance, there is no, it doesn't balance. You got to figure it out. Right. And me failing math, mostly because I just never showed up to school, but it just didn't compute with me. And I ended up, I worked so hard. I worked so hard and I just learned and I just, I ended up being the best night auditor that they had ever had. Awesome. Out of sheer determination. Out of <laughs> sheer, had lots of help from my amazing uh, you know, ex-husband and, and math to him, you know, you can give him a thousand numbers and multiple, you know, quantities and he will give you the total if you add it or divide it or, you know, that's how his brain works. That is not how my brain works at all. I need a calculator. So it just was interesting to me that I, that when I left to go on maternity leave, they were absolutely devastated. How are we going to, we've never had anyone that actually shows up to work every night because that's another thing show up to your job i showed up i did a good job i did more than what was asked um and i that i they freaking balanced every night when i worked there and after a couple months i didn't need um i never needed to call my ex-husband because i knew what i was doing Mm -hmm. And and it was amazing for me to go through that process and look at back at it now at the time, you know, I was thinking terrified of having a baby and all these other things. But when I look back at that now, I'm like, wow, that young woman, man, she had some cojones, you know what I mean? Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> and this overarching need to figure something out, do a good job, show up, uh, mm-hmm. master something that I have no clue that I I was doing. And that is something that I am proud of within myself, but it hasn't until now, it hasn't translated into who I accepted as someone that would come and work for me when I became an entrepreneur in my later 20s. And that's, that's an interesting thing. Well, it, it is. It's realizing what that drive and determination does for you and how it generates results and understanding the value um, in uh, having that quality in the team that you surround yourself with. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about um, leadership in kind of a business environment this morning. You know, this applies to virtually uh, any any situation you may find yourself in where you're, um, you know, a leader informal or otherwise, Um, you know, I do want to make just one more point to you about, um, you know, confidence versus competence. Mm -hmm. There's actually a very interesting Harvard Business Review article from 2006, and it was a study on recognizing competence in men versus women. And I I found this to be... um, quite interesting in that women are seen as men are seen as confident if they are seen as competent men are seen as confident only if they come across both as competent and warm women must be seen as warm in order to capitalize on their competence 
Hmm. and be seen as confident and influential at work. Confident men are seen as confident and influential, whether they are warm or not. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was interesting too, not necessarily relevant to the example that you just gave, but just in general. And while you were talking about your example, I was thinking, I, I wonder what your attitude was or the way that you approached your work uh, with a level of confidence when you didn't know and you had to solicit help more Mm -hmm. frequently from others outside versus when you actually did have the skill set all to yourself and were able to generate the result that was needed without asking for help. And even just in the way you told your story, you know, there was a, a great sense of pride when you finally figured out how to do it and you didn't have to call for help anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was so young. Oh my gosh. I was a baby. Um, I was very, I don't think I didn't have the room nor the maturity to be proud of myself. Uh, cause I was just, you know, life was so big and overwhelming and there was a lot of trauma still I was dealing with. So there were, there was no, good job. I I heard that from my ex-husband. Look at what you've done. Oh my gosh. Do you realize how great this is that you do that? And over the years, I've had other things that I've done that I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't stop to really look and think, you you know, be proud of yourself. Just that would never occur to me. I just plow down like a border collie and, you know, you just get it done. You just work and get all the sheep into the paddock. Don't, you don't, there's mm-hmm. no time to stop and go good for you for getting all the sheep in the paddock. Um, that that's not been a part of my, uh, my way of thinking until this year. And I'm 49 until this year, this year has been the year where I'm in the middle of doing all these different things. And I go, you know what? I am really smart. <laughs> give yourself some credit. Yeah, where I actually give myself some credit, not, you know, egotistical or whatever. I don't go shout that from a rooftop. Now, this is the first time I'm saying this. I, th- I think it's the first time I'm saying it on a show. And I don't feel concerned about somebody saying, what a narcissist. I don't care. That's how confident I feel about it, which is fantastic. I really mm-hmm. am an intelligent, creative um uh, you know, highly competent person. Am I in that in everything? Uh, no. You want to ask me to fix a car? Let's talk about incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> well, we but don't in have the, to be confident in everything. You know? right. <laughs> I am confident that I have no yeah. idea how to fix a car and I'm okay and, with that. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's confidence in even knowing that or confidence in knowing that, knowing when you, when your skills end. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think there's huge strength in that. In fact, if if you don't mind, I'm going to share a, just a little bit of a, a story about that. Please do. Um, and, you know, you and I have talked about the fact where, you know, if there's a, um, a, a problem on the team, like if there's a, a team member who isn't pulling their weight um, or isn't fulfilling all of their responsibilities to the degree that they should be, um, it it does show up after a while. Sometimes it takes a very long time. Sometimes it takes years 
Um, but that lack of competence will reveal itself eventually. And um, the the reason that um, I'm saying that this morning is, you know, there was a, a great recent example kind of happening around me where the entire group's level of competence around a certain way to look at data was increasing at, at an extremely rapid rate, um, with the exception of, um, you know, one one team member in particular. And what was happening was um, the the presentations and the information that was being shared by the group that was that was coming along and educating itself and trying really hard to understand the scope of the data that they were analyzing. You know, their presentations were getting more detailed um, and yet more pointed and really helping us understand how their analysis was leading us to the right business decision. Whereas, um, you know, this individual that was kind of fighting that learning process and not developing the competency that the rest of the group was, um, just started talking more, you know, started um, the the baffle with bullshit kind of approach where you, know, you talk faster and <laughs> um, you, know, you just try and talk over questions and, you know, try and get to the end versus really trying to you know, educate your audience and helping them understand everything that you know. So I think that as you build skill um, and you realize that you have the ability to do these things yourself, it has um, kind of no choice in the universe but to impact our self-esteem in a positive way. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, in that way, we, we can see it um, more readily in others too. When we mm-hmm. feel more competent and more confident, you know, we can recognize that that effort and that um, that striving in those around us as well. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I think, you know, if we come from not necessarily healthy behavior, from you know what we've learned, and that still doesn't you know, that's not an excuse. It's just that it is what it is. Uh, our, our issues with codependency and things like that, we bring that into the boardroom. We bring that into our, totally. you know, because I, I, I have given, I mean, I, I was listening to Oprah talk one time on a show saying, oh yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm at my hairdresser and she is burning the hair off of my head and I'm like oh no it's fine it looks good no worries (laughs) (laughs) because she didn't want to hurt this person's feelings or someone that would you know that wasn't getting a job done and uh or that you know that just was constantly messing up but gave every excuse in the world and borrowed money from her and this was an employee and she's like oh yeah or the you know the her babysitting her boss's kids and mm-hmm. she's an anchor on a news thing. And I, you know, just all these stories that I love, this is what makes Oprah so wonderful is that she'll share her big codependent, whatever foibles and be like, mm-hmm, I did all that stuff and I still managed to do what I do now. So yeah, 
you know, I've learning, done those. Learning every step of the way, right? right. <laughs> I mean, I've done those things too. Oh yeah. Pay somebody, a, you know, pay somebody to do a job they signed up for. Nobody held a gun to their, their head. They signed up for a job and watched them absolutely not do it. Make every excuse on the planet. I'm doing the work for them and hiring other people to do the work that I'm paying them to do. So I'm taking less money for myself as a salary and I'm working harder. And at the end of it, when they blessedly leave, it's how dare you? I could have made eight times more money than I ever made with you. You kept me, you know, as if they're doing me, they're, were doing me a favor with their incompetence. And I just remember hearing this coming out of someone's mouth and going, you know what? I don't even care. I'm just so glad that you're quitting. <laughs> Right. And like, I, I am I know, not going to do that reality. again. Yes. Exactly. I know reality. Take your lack of reality with you. You're good. Exactly. It's there, there, was a, there was a meme that I had read. I actually had said this to Paul Meyer because he, you know, he, I call him about these things and, you know, tell him, look, Dr. Meyer, and this is what I've been doing. And he's like, you know, you need to work on that. You know, it's so great. But I had told him, yeah, I saw this meme and it says, um, I'm at a point in my life where if somebody tells me that one plus one equals five, I'm like, hey, you're right. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> now, <laughs> that's okay thank you. when they don't work for <laughs> you anymore. It's not okay when they do work for you and you are busting it to pay them a salary then it's not okay. But it's just, it, and it really doesn't have to do with any one particular person. It has to do with you. Mm -hmm. This is a journey I needed to go on and figure out and figure out what I will accept and what I will absolutely not accept and to sit back and go, okay, I am saying out loud that I receive competent people who show up, who take pride in their work, who go above and beyond. And my, when I was saying this in front of my therapist, she goes, oh, so what you're saying is you accept people like you. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. that was like a sock between the eyes. And I went, yeah. you know what? Yes, I do. Not saying I'm perfect by any means. However, you know, yeah, that's what I accept. I accept people like me, people who will, if they mess up, they do the work to figure out mm -hmm. what the failure was about and learn from it so that they don't do it again, or they don't do it as hard. They sure as heck don't flame throw the blame of it onto me, the one that's paying them. No, but yeah, let's, you know, let's get honest about what the problem is and work it through. You know, and oh, by the way, here's our opportunity to develop our skills and our, you know, that huge umbrella of competency while we do get through it. Um, so, it, again, exactly. it, it's, yeah, it's the difference between, you know, how, how we approach it. And, you know, I, I hate to keep pointing back to our level of self-esteem because I know how hard it is you know, once we've been through, you know, any pattern of disappointment or, 
um, abuse or what have you that has an impact on that. You know, the way that we just function out in the world can definitely have an impact on the way that we feel about ourselves and what we ultimately um, can affect or not. Um, but I, I think that that also highlights the value of um, taking care of ourselves and doing a lot of the things that, you know, Kristen, you and I have talked about over and over again, and that's seeking counseling. And that's looking at things when they go wrong and trying to understand our responsibility in it. And yeah. it's about um, the ability to tell the truth, even when it's just the absolute crappiest news that you could be sharing right. so that you can find a way to make it better. And oh, by the way, maybe build your skills by doing so. You know, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of when I called you and said, I, I asked your permission, you know, are, can you do a call with me? Are you available? You know, I want to respect your time, but I, I'm really dealing with something that I need your entrepreneur, female leadership, executive brain on this and and you said yes of course and we picked a time that works and I remember saying you you will remember it too at the end of the call I hope that you don't respect me less because of what I've allowed or something like that and I really meant that and I really was worried that you were going to be like this woman that I am doing the women who lead show clearly can't lead. I mean, there was a part of me that was like, you were going to be like, uh, okay, Kristen, I, you know, and that you would just stop calling me and I'd never hear from you again. And I'd be like, well, I oh, guess that's on. it for the women who lead show. Cause that's what I was concerned about. And of course that's not what happened. <laughs> no. And that would be applying the same judgment that I have to apply to myself. And that's, <laughs> wow, I can't believe I put up with that. Or wow, I can't believe I actually made that decision. Or, you know, even as recently as probably the last couple of days, wow, I can't believe I sent that email. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Just because we lead doesn't mean that we don't make epic mistakes or that we don't question, was that the right thing? Could I have ordered it differently? Da, 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 da. It doesn't mean that we walk around now free from insecurity and, you know, all this stuff. No, we walk around with it. We just lead with it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say that developing competence and the related confidence um, in in your skill set. And I'm not saying that anybody should ever rest on their laurels and feel that they know everything. That's not, not the case at all. Um, but that favorite song with the lyrics of, you know, here's what I should have said in that conversation or, you know, <laughs> greatest hits from things I should have said to my boss yesterday or whatever, you know, the, the things that you play over and over in your brain that keep you up at night have diminished I'm not saying they go away ever because they don't um I don't think but um they do diminish Agreed. when your level of confidence increases you know mm -hmm. when you feel more confident about how you're approaching things or how you're dealing with people even um you know those I should have tend to get more and more quiet um I think is is also helpful um, because the less we doubt what we're doing, 
um, the more effective we can be. And that's, you know, not to say we don't always continue to scour for things that we can do better, but, um, you know, confidence and competence also means that we spend less time beating ourselves up. Yes. Um, Cause that, that which, so, oh, talk about affecting your, your work in it. That's the quickest road to actually, you know, making mistakes and, and being, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the grace with which we give ourselves, um, about the mistakes that we are going to make, um, I'll, t- <laughs> uh, I'll share Grace this. Grace is a beautiful word. Yeah, it, share. It is. It is. It's, and you it's know, such I, a, a important word. It yeah. is. It is. And you know, my middle name Sunanta. You know, uh, at, well, listeners of this show maybe doesn't know, don't know what it means, but um, it's Thai. And my mother gave me that middle name and thank you mother for doing that. Um, so it's Thai and it means graceful. That's beautiful. I love that. And I've wondered what, what that meant. I've thought, Oh, I should Google that sometime, you know, but, <laughs> but now I don't have to. Thank you. Yeah, no, does, this, name. does this mean that I, in my secret life, am a prima ballerina that graces the stage of, uh, hell no. <laughs> no, but, but it, but it, but it is a, you know, a reference to just the ability to approach life with an absolutely accepting and open heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I use that name. I don't use it because I'm trying to be special or I'm trying to whatever. I really love that name and it means something to me. It says something to me to constantly be typing the word Sunanta when I say, when I put my name out, you know, with what I do for a living and put Kristen Sunanta Walker, even when, you know, a bunch of people, I'm doing a news show and they say, Kristen Sunantra. Kristen Sonata. I know it's hard to pronounce and that's fine. I don't get upset about it. It just makes me laugh. And I'm like, you know, if I just was Kristen Walker, it would make it so much easier for other people. Mm -hmm. But I do it because it's important for me to constantly, constantly, constantly have that out there because that means graceful. And that is a reminder to me. That's who you are. Yeah, that's great. I love it. So speaking of grace, this'll, this'll crack you up. You know, there are things that we do, and I think this is what we learn too, as we get older and wiser and more comfortable in our uncomfortableness, and we are able to brush off the mistakes that we've made instead of going and hiding somewhere and, oh, life is all over and I'm dumb and everybody sees how dumb I am. That, that kind of stuff goes away, you know, the more you, you put yourself out there. And I've had those moments where I've done um, really stupid things and been mortified, mortified. And I just don't, um, you know, I make it a little embarrassed, but I make a laugh. I laugh out of it. I get so much enjoyment laughing at the things where I'm like, nerd. And I can, <laughs> and I can do that because I know how intelligent I am. Am I a genius at the level of some of my friends who have two PhDs and four masters or my friends who don't have those things, but they're walking around and their IQ is 156. No, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not those people and I don't need to be, I'm me. But my ability to laugh at the dumb things that I do, my dirt moments are fun now. 
because I know that I'm an intelligent person and that I, you know, am competent. Does that make sense? Right. It does. And I, I think the ability to laugh at ourselves also comes out of that sense of confidence. You know, when we feel insecure and question our every step, it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, be able to reflect on anything that we do in a less than defensive way. Um, so that ability to, you know, have those kind of dumb moments and, um, and laugh at them and even tuck away the lesson that comes out of it <laughs> is also a, you know, a great opportunity for us. I was thinking, um, actually of, uh, this is a little, not, it's not random. It's, um, you know, kind of demonstrating humility, sort of a funny, a funny way. So, um, in a, in a previous life with the past company, um, I was responsible for buying tires and I'm, I'm going to say, I'm sorry to my good friend, Jim Deardorff right now, because I know when I handed over the responsibility of buying tires to him, um, that it was in a bit of a mess, but he and I went on a tour of China to hand over the accounts to him. And our host was the largest tire manufacturing company in China. And the host is a very, very gentle and kind man, um, but he's also a very frugal man. So we found ourselves on Chinese domestic airlines at dinner time every night and that kind of thing. <laughs> but in any case, he was responsible for for building this tire empire to, up to what it was. And uh, we were at one of his manufacturing plants for tractor tires. And he looked at me and he said, do you want to make a tire? <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll make a tire. And Kristen, I made the worst tire in the history of man. Uh, and the, the poor operator whose station I took over to make that horrible, bad, terrible tire that would never roll or hold anything up or any air was was he didn't know whether to laugh or whether to be horrified because you know he's a very traditional Chinese man who I just displaced to you know get on there and build this horrible tire and the hilarious thing was while I was doing this the man who owned the company had shut down the assembly line because there was no way I was going to meet tack time on this tire and he was holding my purse <laughs> So the owner of a hundred million dollar tire company in China held my purse. It's <laughs> worst tire ever. <laughs> assembly line. Oh my gosh, that's and, hilarious! And I have and I have pictures of this, you know. <laughs> you so have evidence. <laughs> I do, and and the horrible thing was at the end, the operator took one of his quality stickers and stuck it on the tire. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, take your sticker off of that. Because I knew, I knew that he was doing this safe, this face-saving measure, you know, by putting his quality sticker on my horrible tire. And I was like, dude, you don't need to save face. It's okay. You don't need to save my face. Right. Because, because I, I know that I just made the worst tire in the history of mankind. So <laughs> it was oh. hilarious. 
Okay. Yeah. This is the this is story time at the end of the show. So um, I just told this to Dr. Christina Hallett, who does the the Be Awesome podcast, um, and she had she started out with a series on the network, and uh, and now she has her own podcast. She just rocks socks. I mean, she's incredible, a clinical psychologist and an amazing speaker. And we finally. She, she did last week, she did a, she was a keynote at a huge conference, women's, con, you know, empowerment college level um, university conference. Then she did a speaking engagement where she was one of the main speakers and it was standing room only for her talks. And then she did some other, I mean, she just did one incredible thing after another. And I've been wanting to tell her all these cool things that are going on with the network, but you know. The woman, I saw her on Facebook and I knew what what she was going to be doing anyway because we talk and I just was watching her going, she is just knocking it out of the park and look at her go and I can't call her because she is freaking busy. So we finally <laughs> got up last night and we laughed so hard at this, what I told her. She finally said, I absolutely adore you and... I think I just hacked up a kidney because we were <laughs> laughing so hard at one of my dirt moments that, um, you know, we, we both started coughing. So um, <laughs> here's what it was. I love it. I have been asked and I don't, you know, I don't know that this is something that's going to happen it, but I've been asked to do this and I want to do this. Um, I just don't ever like say, yes, this is for sure. Uh, you know, until a contract is signed and there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, anyway, so I was asked to be, um, the host of a show, um, I can call it mental health news radio network and it's on traditional radio and it's for the state of New York or the, an area in New York, New York's biggest listenership. It's an AM radio station. And, um, this is how much I know about regular radio. Zero. Okay. So I'm like, I don't know. I call my PR guy and I'm like, I don't know. This is AM radio. I mean, what kind of listeners does that have? I mean, come on. I don't know. I just, I mean, and <laughs> Brian McCormick, our wonderful um, founder, one of the founders of Goldman McCormick, who's our PR team was like, Kristen, I will never speak to you again unless you sign that contract. You have no idea what you, what you've just been offered. I, I just won't even, I won't speak to you. And I was like, huh, okay. And he, and he brought up a story. This is the funny one. He brought up a story <laughs> later and he said, remember when we were on that business meeting that I invited you on with all the CEOs and station heads for, uh, you know, regular radio networks. And you just sat quietly on that whole meeting and just took it all in. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you remember what happened? Right. And I, and I laughed and I said, yeah. And he goes, this is like one of those moments. And we laughed because here's what I did. I didn't say anything, thank God. And these big wigs were throwing out all these numbers, millions and millions and millions of listeners. And they kept saying the term terrestrial radio. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that is. You know, I'm like terrestrial radio. And so in my head, I was like, man, there are some people out there that really care about like aliens and 
you know, the visitors from other planets and all that kind of conspiracy theory stuff. That is, I had no idea that that many millions of people were into that kind of stuff on the radio, but I said nothing. And then like two weeks later, I was talking to Ryan who does a show on the network too. It's called the um, outer limits of inner truth. And he does many, many topics. And some of them are with people who, you know, believe in aliens and blah, 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 blah. And I, so I said to him, I just can't believe Ryan from that call, like that that's how many millions of people are into ET stuff. And he goes, wait, what? And I said, you know, terrestrial radio. And he goes, oh my God, Kristen, I am so glad that you didn't say anything. I am just, I cannot <laughs> tell you how glad he goes. It's not terrestrial. It's not extraterrestrial radio, Kristen. It's terrestrial. It's not, that is what regular radio is called. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know You're it like, either. Wow. I talking about ET and people that yeah. listen to shows about aliens. And yeah. we're going into multidimensional radio, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so. He just he 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 was laughing so hard and he's like I don't get how you can be so bright and competent and a genius about these things and then whip it around 20 seconds later and you're the biggest person <laughs> ever <laughs> so I shared that well it it just it and all it did a few years ago, I would have been mortified. I would have never, I would have just figured out in the conversation what Ryan was talking about. And I would have never admitted to that. But this is where I rest now. I think it's funny. And I think it's funny because I really like myself as a person. And I really love myself as a human being. And I love to laugh, especially at myself. And so, and I know that I'm not dumb. I'm in, I'm not knowledgeable about everything because who is, but it's so okay for me to make these kinds of pretty big mistakes and hysterically laugh about it and then move on because I'm, because I'm okay with me mm -hmm. more than okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of, a lot of power in that, but you know, just like you said, you wouldn't be, um, you know, where you are in terms of okay with you today if it hadn't have been, you know, going through the lack of competence and, you know, yeah. building that confidence and skill set and um, expertise, whatever it is we want to call it over time, you know, there's great value in that. I want to meet the person who can, um, who can just absorb confidence and I know that there are um people like that mm -hmm. out there there are people that I work with who you know just have that ability to um you know see what's relevant glean it immediately and understand directly how to interpret those results and apply them in such a way that um you know the the lesson is instantaneously learned they're few and far between though so um, you know, I think for normal people like us, 
<laughs> um, that, and that's what we are. We're normal people, mm-hmm. you know, not, not special people, not people who, you know, have any, um, special uh, ability to, um, translate things, but it, it takes time. It takes time to build both confidence and competence. And I think what's really special is where we get to the point where we can, um, you know, see that and facilitate it in others as well. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I think that's really the the reward at the end of the day is to, um, you know, see our see our team succeed and see our work groups succeed and see the the person, um, you know, finally have the the aha moment themselves. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And I think uh, I think it's a wonderful thing when we can take a look. And um, I think I think some of the people that I know that did not have they had, you know, certainly there are things that happened to them, as we all do in childhood. But, you know, they didn't have things like I've had, you know, incest and, you know, narcissism rampant and, you know, a lot of trauma, which that's a story. And I'm not you know, hanging on to that story, but it is part of my history. Um, and so I can see and give a lot of grace to the younger versions of me that that part of my history and still being in trauma and being emotionally inflamed definitely colored my ability to be confident. Um, but it did teach me how to be absolutely terrified and just freaking do stuff anyway. And I love the fact that now I'm not so terrified. I'm, I'm, I don't, I wouldn't even use that word terrified. I'm really not terrified about anything that I don't know how to do now. I either know how to do it or I don't. And I evaluate, is this a good use of my time since I have a re- responsibilities on my plate? Is this a good use of my time to learn how to do this? How is it going to benefit me and all the other people that I am supporting, um, you know, with this network? Is it, you know, I, I, I have the room now because of all of the work I've done personally on that past stuff to evaluate things and decide whether or not I'm going to put my time there. But that fear, that that operating system of fear, which I was born into and then absorbed, which helped me so much to take a job as a night auditor and not know what the hell I'm doing and figure it out anyway. You know, that trauma fear uh, that's been a huge part of me, that isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal. Or, yeah, or it's there and you just recognize it differently mm. and, it, and it creates a different feeling. You know, maybe now it creates a feeling of, um, you know, courageousness and right. it helps you recognize that you have the ability to, to overcome significant obstacles as opposed to something that makes you feel scared or defensive like it did in the past. Yes. There you, uh, you go. Know? Better and worded. That's, yes. That's the beauty of recovery, isn't it? Yes, and that's, it is. I, I think the, it's the turning point that we all strive to get to is, is abuse survivors. I'm, you know, talking to, talking to abuse survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the confidence that we um, ascribe to ourselves, you know, the credit that we give to ourselves when we do overcome is incredibly important. And again, 
taking those strengths and taking what we uh, what we bring to the table by way of a backstory, applying it today and finding strength in what we've come through. Yeah. Um, incompetence. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, and the giving of grace to others that have been through a past that is that way also, while also realizing that you as a leader are going to be and are compassionate about those things and even with someone coming in that has that kind of a background does not mean that you're going to give them a free pass on not doing their job, on making excuses, on blaming everybody and using those excuses as for why they're not competent or why you're horrible because you expect them to do their job. You know, there's a there's a wonderful line that you cross where you still carry that immense amount of empathy and compassion while also saying, you know what, then you need to go and focus on what you need to do elsewhere and not here because it's dragging my work down. And mm-hmm. I hope you go to therapy because that's the best place that you could actually spend your time and, and good luck on your journey. Right. Right. And, and full circle back to, what the bolstering of our own um, confidence, self-esteem, and ultimately competence does for our ability to lead. You know, we we know where there's value in developing and further investing in people, and we know where there's great value um, in sending them on their way to uh, seek another path. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no ill wishes. Just um, it's not right here anymore. And, and um, thank you for, you know, the lessons and I'm too busy to focus on, you know, I I really am. I got so many good, wonderful things going on that I don't have time to sit in resentment or bitterness or blame, or I'm just like, okay, that's cleared out. Goodbye. Yeah. Whew, a whole lot of good just rushed in because I stopped playing a participant in that game and worked on my issues as to why I would allow it to continue to be there. And now the the gift of it is the wisdom and wow, yeah, that just opened up all this room for the, exactly, <laughs> the energy isn't there. So look at all the good stuff that has come in um, for it because I created a, a, a necessary healthy void in my life too. So things have room to be there. So yeah, whew, I think this one needs to be a two-parter show. <laughs> yeah, well, lots of good stuff. And certainly, you know, lots, lots of stuff that we could continue to, Absolutely. to talk about around this. I, I just continue to go back to, um, you know, the whole, the whole backstory, who we are, and, you know, ultimately how we show up as a result of that. Um, and this accumulation of strength in the form of, of self-esteem and competence over time is just critically important, you know, and competence doesn't necessarily have to be business skills, you know, it, it can definitely be, you know, coping mechanisms or, you know, outcomes of therapy or whatever um, that, again, come together to manifest themselves as who we are as leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my friend, Catherine, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on and doing another one of our shows, Women Who Lead on Mental Health News Radio. 
Thank you. I just really appreciate the time, Kristen. Thanks so much. So do I. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, if you have suggestions or topics that you want us to discuss, please send an email to info at mhnrnetwork.com. We are happy to bring those up. Or if there are people that you want us to interview, um, we'll try to make that happen. So please don't, don't hesitate to send us an email or reach out to us on Facebook and um, we'll cover those topics and try to get those people on. So thank you listening yeah. family and you'll catch us next time. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.